join us as we take a look behind the scenes with the independent musicians of Louisiana. Learn about upcoming projects before they drop. Experience the rich heritage of iconic venues and get first-hand accounts of exclusive events. Musicians are remarkable people. Get to know them, their struggles, and the inspiration for their art. NewOrleansMusicians.com is dedicated to uplifting the artists and providing them with the tools necessary to elevate their craft. We shine a spotlight on them, as well as highlight the music scene and educate everyone with our interviews, album reviews, and music scene news. This is NewOrleansMusicians.com. Well, my name is Adam Pierce. I'm a somewhat local, somewhat touring musician. I play guitar and I'm a singer as well. Um, I have a, a full original band that's not playing too often right now. We're in the studio working on some stuff, uh, mostly playing solo acoustic gigs. Okay. That's what's, uh, that's what's keeping me busy at the moment. I got you. The, um, the place where you grew up, you were telling me before we started, uh, you're from Louisiana. Uh, yeah, but... I'm from a small town called Bunky, okay. Louisiana. Um, it's exactly what you would imagine a town like Bunky to look like the name yeah when you think of a name called bunky it's yeah. it's that yeah um it's about three hours away from here two and a half um but i moved away when i was uh 19 i went to lsu baton rouge mm -hmm. and i started playing in bands finding musicians to jam with at lsu and built built my first rock band it's called black magnolia uh in baton rouge uh, but to be honest, even when I lived in Baton Rouge, I lived in Baton Rouge for about seven years before I moved here to New Orleans. Yeah. Um, but even whenever I was living in Baton Rouge, I still played in New the New Orleans area more than anywhere. Mm -hmm. I cut my teeth as a musician in the New Orleans area. I got you. Southern Louisiana area, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and Bunky, when you were coming up as a kid, what kind of music were you hearing in your household? Um, so I'm not from a musical family, okay. oddly enough. Um, I... My mom listened to country, you know, uh, and oldies. My dad listened to oldies. Not much classic rock. I'd say more oldies. Like the Beatles were probably like the latest he got. Okay. And again, not from a musical family. My mom's a great singer, but never did it in any kind of professional matter. Sure. Um, I didn't start playing guitar until I was 18. Wow. I'm not a, I'm not a child uh, musician. Okay. I, 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 I got a guitar at the end of my senior year. I got a guitar a few a few weeks before I turned eighteen. Yeah. Uh, instead of a class ring, and I just fell in love with it, and I got super serious about it. Was that an option they presented you with? No, 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 no. I just I didn't want a high school class ring. I knew okay. it was just something. That was my parents. I got you. Like we're not gonna get like we'll, we'll spend I'm, the money saying, towards a guitar. You know, was you, was that an option your parents presented you? No, I mean, I honestly don't remember that well. I think it, maybe my mom suggested it. Yeah, I was really like I was really like upset about a girl that didn't like me, mm -hmm. and uh, which I, I, I'm actually married to that girl now. Get out! Yeah, so you got a guitar and a girl. Yeah, that well, is rock it, took star. Me, it took me a long time. It took me like ten hey, years. Whatever. She's not even into musicians. That's not even her thing. It's kind of funny actually. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe my mom suggested to go get a guitar because I'd mentioned maybe wanting to play, uh -huh. but wasn't ever really like serious. And yeah, I didn't. I knew I know no one wears a class a high school class ring. Yeah. After high school, like that—that that was dumb to me. Right. So uh, we went. My dad. I went with my dad to um, a pawn shop in Alexandria, L.A. You ever seen that show, um, Cajun Pawns Pawn Stars? Yeah. That it was that pawn shop. 
Okay. Which is the least Cajun place ever, Alexandria. I don't get it. They could have they could have drove an hour south of Lafayette. Yeah. Like and been really Cajun, but Alexandria. But look to the outside world, like right, I'm, I'm sure the whole all of Louisiana is Cajun. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's know? so not. But anyway, uh, spent two hundred dollars on a guitar. It's around here somewhere. I think it's up behind me in storage. Yeah. And uh, I just fell in love with it, and I had like a knack for it, and it was like, man, I I, I feel like I have like an ink, like I'm. In, I'm good at this. That's so crazy because you got it so late uh, to just, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, a, a yeah. lot of people pick it up when they're young or they're around other people that are playing that kind of yeah. gives them an inclination, you know? Yeah, and I think, I think that hurt me some because the younger you start a craft, the better you are at sure. it. Sure. Because all your, I don't know the physiology, your neurological pathways yeah, they, die they, off. Yeah, they call it muscle memory and stuff too, the, which what, I don't The things in, that you like, don't use, those die off the older oh, okay, you get, I got you, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think that hurt me some, but I, I mean, I still started pretty early. Yeah. And and that's not to discourage anybody who ever wants to play guitar. Like you can still be great at guitar. Yeah. If you start later, um, but I was really serious about it, and I just I went to college because it was what I was supposed to do, but didn't care about it. Didn't care about it at all. Just went through the motions. I was going huh? through the motions, yeah. and um, <coughs> all of my passion and th and energy and time went into music. Was there uh, was there like a school band in high school or anything? No, I, I, I played football in high school. I was there, all in there. The was a band at the school. <laughs> Barely. Barely. <laughs> it was like it was like four dudes just <laughs> okay. like just like messing around having yeah, fun. Yeah, it okay. wasn't. It was nothing serious. Um, but yeah, I was into sports in high school, which I don't know. Maybe that was maybe that was good because it, it you know I learned. I'm from a I'm from a slightly different world than a lot of musicians. Okay. Came from you know mm -hmm. like grew up music was their life it's their family like they all they thought about was music and they grew up like I'm not from that world I was like a later dude who just like lived like a different life and then decided to pick up guitar I was really enthusiastic about it. Yeah, but you know it sounds like you really didn't have many outside influences pointing you in that direction to begin with like like we discussed i mean if your family if somebody in your family played a particular yeah. instrument maybe that would have happened sooner well or, my brother-in-law you know. my brother-in-law who lived right next door to me played guitar okay um he so he taught me a few things and i had i had some i had a really good friend that played guitar i had two friends that played guitar okay so i had other guitarists around me but okay. i'm just mean as a kid growing up yeah no, I didn't know anything about music. You know? How old were you when he, uh, your neighbor, your brother-in-law, started teaching you this and that? Oh, when I when I started playing around eighteen. Okay. He like showed me some of the basics. Yeah. Um, and then you know my one of my best friends' dads played, and they showed me the basics, but mostly I'm kind of self-taught. Yeah. You know, YouTube, internet. I can you can teach yourself anything. When these uh, these these older cats are uh, teaching you these things, showing you a thing or two, um, were you able to? Do you think they were able to pick up on uh, pick up on the fact that maybe you you had a, a natural talent? Yes. So yeah, to speak? and they told me. Okay. They, so they so, absolutely did. Yeah. So so maybe that played a role in your mom. Probably. Yeah. 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 Um. I remember. I remember several times i wrote my first song after like playing guitar for a few months mm -hmm. i only knew like five chords and i used four of them in that song sure and i remember my brother-in-law and and my friend's dad 
being very impressed. Wow. You know, it was a pretty simple song. Yeah, I remember them being like, this is really good, Adam. You're onto something. Nice. And that just motivated me. Yeah. You know, I was never like that. I was never that like super overachiever, uh, like successful at everything in high school kind of person, which is, which is a good thing when you learn later in life, like the dude who gets all the girls in high school is a captain of the football team. Like a lot of times those guys peak in high school. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't by any means like a loser in high school, but I never had that thing that I was like, I'm, I'm really good at this. Sure. Like I was like a good football player, but not great. Like I was like that kind of that middle ground. Yeah. So it was, that was the first thing that I, that I felt like I can be like really good at this. Dude, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, that's probably the majority story that they don't, Mm -hmm. They, they don't get lent towards this one particular thing that early on. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it takes, basically, if you wanted to compare it to something musical, it's like high school is being taught theory, and then when you get to college or beyond, uh, you're able to improvise a bit and see where it takes you, you know? Yeah. Um, that That's cool, though, that you, you stuck with it out of high school. Was moving to college, because you said you weren't, like, too particularly enthused about it, it wasn't, like, a, a passion of yours, was going to college... Like your ticket out of Bunky and you figured this is the way I'm going to get out of Bunky? <clears throat> um, I, I don't think I ever viewed it as that. I, I mean, I was, I knew that I, I mean, at that point, music had absolutely no kind of like financial uh, realism to it. So I, I knew I had to like go to college, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was going through the motions and I went to, a, a, I went to LSU Alexandria branch, which was like 30 minutes from my house. Sure. Went there for the first year and a half. And then I transferred to Baton Rouge. I don't think I ever viewed it as a ticket out of Bunky. I knew I could have just moved away yeah. whenever I wanted. But um, And I don't regret going to college. It was I had a lot of fun and I learned a lot. Sure. It just um, it, it wasn't what I wanted to do. But it also allowed me to find band members and guys to jam with. Yeah. And I've met so many you know musicians since then because of those days. Yeah, I think since the dawn of time, dude. I mean, I, I interviewed a guy... He was older than, than all of us, and um, you know he was talking about being at the Commons, you know, on um, on that ground, and being able to to just sit out and play, and then that would attract another person. It might be another guitarist, it could be somebody on the bongos, who knows, whatever. But people start gravitating towards each other because they're right. all out there in the open, you know. Right, right. Um, any kind of uh, so that was the the band formed while you were at Baton Rouge, your first band, is that what yep. you were saying? Yep. And y'all were able to play gigs together? Yeah. My first gig was um, uh, Bogies. It wasn't in Tigerland. It was right outside of Tigerland. Uh-huh. Like a, just a tip, your typical like frat sorority bar. And um, yeah, I, we played our first gig there. It was so much freaking fun. All my buddies came down. Yeah. And it was just, we probably were terrible, but we didn't care. Like it was just so much fun. Yeah. And uh, we were really serious. You know, everybody in the band was really serious about it. How many pieces in that band? What was the name of it again? Black Magnolia. Black Magnolia. I put. I actually put out an album underneath that band name, um, in 2012. Okay. Before I switched to just Adam Pierce. Okay. Um, so there's a full length album floating around on all the streaming at Spotify. I'm glad you said that. Yep. They can check it out. I'm gonna check it's, it out. Too. It's called cool. uh, "Fields Are Burning" by Black Magnolia. Okay. It is a. Uh, my voice is very young sounding to me. Uh huh. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure the average listener, casual listener, doesn't hear it. But when I hear it, I'm like, man, I just sound so inexperienced. I sound like a child. Sure. You know? Gotta so start was, somewhere, man. I was 26. Yeah. You know? I wasn't that young, but... 
it just sounds so much different than the type of music that I'm putting out now. Sure. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Black Magnolia, I was in it with uh, three other guys. We're all super serious, and we did that for years, you know, before, you know, it kind of just, you know, bands, Nature of the Beast. Sure. Kind of fell apart, members yeah. came and went, and then... Um, well, college is a transient location in itself, you know, people yeah. come and going constantly. Um, so that was in the vein of more rock. It's it's a little departure was, from what you're doing now. It was, uh, no, I mean, I'm st it was rock and roll. I'm uh, still rock and roll. Okay. I have a lot more... I have a lot more influences from R&B and Motown and soul and blues. That was electric, and this is now acoustic. No, uh, I, I no the my so I put out another album six years ago. Okay. Uh, and and I also put out two new originals in the last two months. You've been a busy and, guy. Yeah, I, I have. And then I plan on putting out another original. My next original is going to come out uh, December twenty-eighth. Okay. Um, and I plan on putting out. I'm done with albums. Just I think everybody's people, moving that way. Yeah. yeah, as much as it as a, as a, I hate that, no one likes albums anymore. But anyway, I'm kind of ran. I'm kind of all over the place here. But I just no. I don't mean. I don't mean that my my genre is way different. Just just my style is much. My influences. Okay. And my writing is just a little different. You know? I mean, by different, would you say more mature? Because you you exciting. I think so. Yeah. I think so. But I have I have people that love my first album more than my second album. Yeah. That some people just love that album. So I mean, it's all subjective. That's really yeah. cool, though. What's the span of time between when it was made and when you put it out? Because that was that a, a, a big span of time, or um, is that something you mean that you like didn't... when I started writing it? <clears throat> I, I guess from from completion to to publication. So the first album I recorded myself, I found uh, I found a house that would let me build a studio in the garage, mm -hmm. and I spent probably nine months building putting all this kind of stuff insulation yeah. and, I, and i and the best i could to make my own acoustically sound studio mm -hmm. um i'm an ex-it guy so the techie part i had down i knew how to record and knew nice. how to I, I could handle that um and then to actually sit down and record it yeah probably a year and a half mm -hmm. before it was an, a physical product in my hand and it was it was it was a lot yeah. The the week before I had a I had a deadline that I had to get it to the uh, the the mastering engineer. Mm -hmm. He was a he was kind of a big name and he was really backed up. So I had a deadline to get it to him. If we missed the deadline, we would have missed the release. And I had a House of Blues show scheduled for the CD release. So I had a lot of stuff lined up. The week before that, before I got my album sent off to mastering and I was and I, my part was done mm -hmm. I had eight ulcers in my mouth <laughs> eight I remember could, could you find any other way to uh, to impede your your progress yeah <laughs> I just I, I was so stressed man I was so I, they were on my tongue like canker sores which I don't really get yeah that, that's um, probably stress related <laughs> oh yeah 100% was yeah. yeah I mean I was I was a I was a mess you know because sure. it was like I was like I'm not I'm not pursuing to me, it was like, I'm not pursuing, you know, what I went to college for. Like, this is my life. Like, this is what I really care about. Uh -huh. This is what's important to me it is my music. So it was, and I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a really stress, stressed out guy. I don't really stress about much. Right. But that was important to me. But yeah, I remember counting eight ulcers in my freak. <laughs> God, I was miserable. Yeah. I was miserable. 
So anyway. Yeah, but it, I mean, it all came together. That was that was your solo effort. No, that was my first album in 2012. Okay, that is the one. Underneath Black Magnolia. Okay, that's the one I was asking about. Yeah. Okay. okay. So to recap, I have two albums out. Mm-hmm. One twelve year, one in 2012, one in 2018, and I just started putting out new originals since my 2018 album. And the 2018 is the 2012 is Black Magnolia's. 2018 is just Adam Pierce. Your solo. Okay. Yeah. Warbird. That nice. one's called Warbird. By this. Um, so it was a year and a half that it took to do it, but you had it. Um, once it was completed, you published it immediately. I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow, man. What? How did this come about that you were able to build a studio in the back of someone's home? Just with the intention of recording this album, mm-hmm. that's commitment. Yep. And and it wasn't even my home, so whenever I moved out, I had to dismantle it all, and I sold a lot of it. Actually, a lot of like the acoustic stuff to another studio. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was. And and since that album, I'm never recording my own album again. Like I'm not. <laughs> I'll, enough, I'll huh? pay for studio time. It was not. Yeah. It was. I mean, I was so broke at the time. Yeah. I, I kind of had to. Yeah, I put all my money into into mixing. I paid a, a mixing engineer. Yeah, to mix. So that's what I put my money into. It's like I'll record it myself, and the little bit of money I do have, I'll I'll pay for a, a professional to mix it because not, that's not what I do. Yeah, well, I mean, at least you went there and experienced that. It's commendable in itself, and then lined all those things up and was able to release it at uh, House of Blues. How did that go? Yeah. Was that cool? It was cool. So I didn't have. I had the album done before the house of blues show for my release party but i didn't have them printed uh-huh. so we burned like i don't remember 200 cds and uh, got a stamp that said like redeemable for one album uh-huh. and we stamped all these cds so it was a real cd right and it and it said redeemable later for a real album so everybody got those for free and if they brought them to me at a later show, I would give them the actual printed album. Nice. Which I was like a week late on that, you know? Yeah. Um, That's hardcore. So, and by yeah. By any means necessary, dude. All yeah. of that. To all of that. Yeah. It, it was a lot of work. And my wife helped me and my, my good friend Alita helped me. We were sitting there burning CDs for hours. I can picture it, I'm yeah. sure, in the, in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's awesome, though, man. It's cool, I, man. That's the stuff that that's the stuff that it's all about, though. The music. Absolutely, and that's why. I, yeah, I think that's priceless, dude. Like I said, you can from here, you can go record at a studio because you know what it is to to do the grunt work and yeah. the other side of that. Whereas some people just they have enough money to go to the studio, so they don't learn half the shit you learned while you're yeah. doing that to begin with. You know. Yeah, and I can ask questions in the studio that I would not have ever been able to because I recorded myself. What was the IT background that you mentioned earlier? Where did that come so, from? So, uh, when I, w- I went to LSU for information systems and decision sciences, which was more business uh-huh. computer. Um, but I worked, my brother-in-law got me a job uh, at Sigma Engineering in Baton Rouge. Okay. And I was an IT guy there. Mm-hmm. And I also was, a, I had a student job IT at LSU Alexandria. Okay. So that's where I started in IT. So I really liked IT. I really liked computers. I liked tech. I would enjoy doing that if not for music. Sure. So it's not like I was like dying to get out of a career that I hated. It just wasn't what I was passionate about. Yeah. So I worked at Sigma Engineering for four or five years mm-hmm. in IT. I learned a lot during that job. Sure. Not just about IT, just about being working class, you know, yeah. working in a cubicle, working in an office, 
it was, I think that was a good experience for me. I wouldn't take that back. How did and you... I loved the job. It was a great job. It was a great company. You enjoyed that time? Yeah, I do. And I still, they're still a good company. I still keep in touch with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you were still committed to being a professional musician. Yeah, I, was, I had long hair. Everybody make fun of me. You know, a bunch of engineers. Yeah. You know, a bunch of bunch of squares. You know, I'm in there with my long hair. They're always picking on me. And my uh, the the president of the company did not want me to leave. He just I, he didn't get it, and I didn't expect him to. But he offered to pay for me to like go to like piping school. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, man, he's like, I'm telling you, this is like. He's like, this is a more stable future. Like, I'll pay for you to do it. And I really appreciate that he did that, but uh, he just didn't get it. Yeah. I don't, and I didn't expect him to. To be honest, most people quitting a stable job to pursue their rock man, I get it. Statistically, yeah, it's not the most no. wise decision. <laughs> no. But I knew me. I knew what I was, you know, knew what I was doing. Though. Yeah. Or at least a little bit. I knew somewhat what I was doing. Yeah, well, I still mean, had to learn you, a lot. Yeah, you, 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 the hindsight is twenty twenty. We're not supposed to know at the moment, you know. Yeah, that's that's funny. Um, how do you feel about that now? And how long ago are we talking that this decision was made? And you. So um, I got married in twenty thirteen. Okay. And uh, me and my wife moved to New Orleans. Uh huh. That's when I moved away from Baton Rouge and came here. Also, whenever I committed to, I figured out if I do the solo acoustic thing, I could get more gigs. I could play on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Sundays. Sure. And make more money because I don't have to, I'm not worried about a big band. So, 10 years ago, um, I, we just had our 10th anniversary. And um, yeah, 10 years ago, and it was not, it was not as easy as I thought. It was a. You thought it was easy. I didn't think it'd be easy. It was a, <laughs> so it was a calculated risk. Okay. Like I was doing, Fair the, I was doing the math, and yeah. it was. It's like I know how many bars are out there. If I could make this, this many gigs, I was very realistic, and it was way harder than I thought. Okay. Like I moved here, and uh, was like, all right, I gotta start making money playing gigs, and I would just blow up the phones. Like I had a, I had a big. I had a big organizational method that I would like places I need to follow up with, places that I got. And dude, it was like pulling teeth. I mean, it's sales. Yeah. It's anything. It's like anybody. Cold calling stats cold are call like and one sales, in a hundred man. It, it was tough. Yeah. And what's really tough about bars is you, you, you can't call them too early because they're not open. Yeah. But if you call them too late, hello? Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> Why do you want to? It's like, can I? Can I speak to whoever books the band? Why? It's like, yeah. oh, dude, it's just miserable. And, and and I tell early musicians that are trying to make a living at it like I do, mm -hmm. like you just got to get over that awkwardness. Learn how to sell yourself. Get over it. Get out of your head and just start cold calling places. Yeah. And I would get on Google Maps and I would just type in bars. And and it would just be like, there's so many bars out there. Yeah. So, people don't realize how many bars exist. And the little red dots just like fire ants. Yeah. And I'd just start calling them. And I'd color code the little dots like, and put notes. And uh, my first gig, my first gig that I got after I moved here was, uh, I was pumped about it. And they offered some like BS, like um, bar ring deal. Like twenty percent of the bar ring or whatever, mm -hmm. which I don't, I don't. Those are those are almost always BS deals. I don't take that anymore. But I was desperate. I was like, let's do it. And I went and I played like three and a half hours and I made twenty bucks. Ouch. And I'm pretty sure I had a bar tab too. <laughs> like had to pay for. Yeah. 
So my wife had a pretty good job. So it, it was, that was tough because I didn't want to feel like, I didn't want to feel like that freeloading loser who was like yeah. the typical musician whose wife is supporting him. Yeah. But thankfully, shortly after that, my good buddy, Casey Saba, got me a gig at Margaritaville. Mm-hmm. It was three hours for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. But it was consistent. It was like w- once a week. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Yeah. So I went and I got that gig and that really like helped me through a lot. Just uh, notoriety speaking? No, I just mean just financially. Okay. Like just to have a steady gig, just a hundred bucks a week, you know? And then they liked me and they booked me twice a week, which was huge, you know? Yeah. And it was weekday gigs, so it still left my Fridays and Saturdays open to book other gigs. Sure. Um, it was it was tough. It was really tough. And people still ask me to this day, and they'd ask me all the time, like, dude, who, do, who does all your bookings? Like, how do you get this many gigs? I'm like, I do. Motherfucker. I blow up the phone. Do you tackle on a motherfucker yeah. right there? <laughs> yeah, I should. It's like, dude, d- d- I, I book, like, I've called so many bars and been rejected by so many bars. Sure. Now, I will say, today, post being on The Voice and everything, um, bars mostly call me now, uh-huh. which I'm very thankful of because I went through so I don't really have to blow up the, the phone. Every once in a while, I'll send out some. So I, I, use, I stay as busy as I want now. Sure. But the first six years, you know, it was it was brutal. Six years, huh, man? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? There's not enough said about uh, the beginning stages. I'm glad you brought those things up because um, oftentimes I get lost in talking to a musician about what he heard and saw as a child coming up and then what he heard and saw through his, uh, you know, adolescent years and things like that, that led him to wanting to do music. But the actual act of getting this ball rolling physically yeah. uphill um, right. is is kind of uh, glazed over a bit. I don't think that a lot of people, and this ties into the respect and the, the humanizing factor that we spoke about before we started recording. I don't think a lot of people realize what goes into the music business yeah you know on the other side of the stage or right, you right. know the 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 other 20 hours of your life that day yep and um you said a, you said more than a mouthful right there um and and i guess on that note um if you could <clears throat> give any listeners out there advice or, or viewers out there any advice as to what really helps someone coming up um, booking his own gigs and and obviously tech and organization, th- you know things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something that you could throw out there that they might be able to consider, or you know, a certain thing that you noticed that really helped you yeah. kind of refine your process. <clears throat> so, one thing I already touched on about cold call bars: mm-hmm. learn how to market yourself, learn how to advertise yourself. People people will always say, "I'm not good at." Selling myself, I'm not good at sales. Well, it's like you gotta learn a little bit. I don't. I think that applies to almost every career. Sure. Like you gotta learn. Like just get over it, and call places and ask to play. Yeah. Um. For me, I always did songs that I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. I avoided all the super campy cliche cover bands that the white girls want to dance to all the time. It doesn't mean that I don't have some songs like that, 
But I'm like every song that I play in my set list is a song that I like, you know, that I dig. Yeah. So I think that gives me a little more passion in my performance. Makes sense. And it's it's I'm a little more genuine, you know, because if I had to get up there and say, "Don't believe me, <laughs> just don't believe me, just watch" by Bruno Mars, like every freaking Friday and Saturdays, <laughs> so the drunk white women can go. Like it's hey, like dude, you I were get lucky that. to make it through Margaritaville without having to do shit like that uh, because dude, we I, all know they're famous. I held off on learning Margaritaville for a while, but too many people were getting mad at me for not knowing Margaritaville. No, no, the place, the place where you had the gig. Oh, right, right. Because I'm yeah. sure they they fill stages with that kind of yeah, crap yeah, all the, the time. Yeah. I, the place, I, the little back room I was playing was actually kind of cool. It was a little more music appreciation. Okay, but um, so I, I, I was always really passionate about about the music that I play mm-hmm. I really like it that's not necessarily a winning formula because there's plenty of wedding bands and they play the top 40 most popular so you know that could work either way but it works for me to just like I don't I don't ever like hate going out and playing music sure it's like I, I play what I want it doesn't mean that I'm gonna go, you know not read the crowd and, and, and play to the crowd but yeah. still stuff that I like <clears throat> and um, you know don't ever look at a performance as 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 like something you got to get through like look at a performance like if you have a three-hour gig don't say like what can i do to get through this three-hour gig which is easy to go into that mindset sometimes because a lot of them are not fun yeah you need to look at it as how can i entertain these people for three hours right some gigs i talk a lot some gigs i cut up with the crowd i'll tell jokes some gigs i just play music like i just kind of kind of read the room but that's nice. If you think of it as like I got three hours to, in, to impress these people or entertain them, sure. I think that goes, you know, that goes a long way. Well, I think you need to deliver a piece of yourself. I mean, for that's sure. what every artist does. It's for a sure. form of expression. So uh, to be disingenuous is kind of like, yeah, you know, it's not being fair. You, you're kind of uh, reserving yourself for someone else, somewhere else, I guess. Yeah, so. I mean, if I would almost rather go back and work in a cubicle than than to do that. Sure. And I've got a lot of. I've, I've gotten a lot of offers from those like big wedding bands and big party bands and I'm not bashing on them props to them but I don't want to do that yeah like I would I, honestly I'd rather go back and like work on computers than to have to go and just be I don't know play something that I'm that I hate yeah it doesn't mean I love every second of playing it's you know it's a lot oh, of times yeah, it's we work get it. just, but just you make, get it you know make what I mean sure there's a fire under there somewhere you yeah know? so um uh, maybe one little tech tip maybe something yeah. that really came to your rescue or advantage the the thing you were just saying about you were maintaining what excel lists uh i actually did it on google maps so um i'll be happy to share this with you or whomever sure what's this so i I would have i would zoom out and have all these bars little pins and i would mark them uh red black green or yellow so red would mean that was something like open i never even messed with it um green was a gig that i had it was like that's a solid gig and you could click on the little dot and and put notes okay right so it's like river shack tavern like i got that gig here's the number here's the contact follow up with them to book a gig every once in a while uh black would if i labeled it black that was a dead end gig like it's not gonna happen i'm never gonna play there yeah. or the bar's closed or something uh yellow were all my follow-up gig so it's like call back every call back on thursday between 10 and 12 and speak to a rob or something and, and you know, that was most of my pins were yellow. Mm-hmm. So I'd get on there, you know, a few times a week and be like, all right, I need to convert 10 yellows to either either green or black, whatever. Yeah. I need to convert them. 
And then that visual part was I kind of I kind of enjoyed that organizational part of it. And yeah, that's fantastic. I didn't even know that. I use Google Maps all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. You like and like you know pins. what I did was because um, I had I mean I, I in my line of work with this I have to amass uh, lists for different purposes and uh, I was going to Google Maps just so I could amass lists by territory or by let's say zip code. <clears> um, yeah. You know to paper through the mail or whatever the, the 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 scenario may be but i was using google maps but it was simple it was going to get that list in the margin right there yeah. and convert that to another document where i could organize it better so you're helping me with a tip yeah, right now too yeah. it also would allow me to if i looked if i looked at my map and i was like i already have two i already have two locations in homa i don't need to work on homa this week yeah. i need to work on slidell or i need to work on nice. prairieville or something yeah that's awesome or baton dude. rouge um, but again, I haven't had to touch that list in probably five, six years. Yeah. Well, thankfully. I mean, I, I think I think your work ethic uh, was going to provide that one way or the other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I always had the mentality that this it, it sounds a little mean towards musicians, but it's just the harsh truth. Like it's not it's not hard to outwork the average musician. Like a lot of musicians are are, are enormous slackers. <laughs> you know, it's just the truth. Like it is. Yeah. Like they're enormous slackers. They just they they don't they don't put in the work. So it's like if you could have the work ethic that you that you would have if you were going to be like an engineer or any other. Like if you could just have that same like kind of just. I'm not any kind of like crazy workaholic. Just like a little bit of discipline. Just like yeah. Show up on time. Like say do what you're gonna say. Be reasonable with the bars. If you could just do that, you'll be successful. Like yeah. And the, and again, not to sound like a jerk, but the competition is the the it's a little lower than than a lot of other career choices. Yeah, you know, I mean, musicians are musicians. It's yeah. it, you know, you're not lying though. I'm not. And I, I don't think that's restricted to just the music field either. No, there's a lot. Of, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot, lot of um, there's a lot to be desired from people that we interact on a daily basis. Yeah, that can be said that would hold true in that life well, as the, well. Well, the you know? the bar and restaurant industry that I work with, oh my god, like it's so. Some of these people are just it's so hard to work with them, and it's just like simple stuff. Like man, just tell me no. Like respond to an email. Answer. Just say, if you're not interested, yes. just tell me no. Yeah. It's like you don't have to. It, just give me an answer. It's, you don't I'm getting, tell me I'm the getting email. mad talking about it. Adam, you don't tell me. I'm trying to convert a pen over here. Please. Yeah. You're I need to convert me. one more yellow. You're driving me crazy. You're clouding up my screen. Yeah. So um, you had mentioned something earlier. We'll get to it. Uh, but just before this, the the transition out of college. Yeah. Um, did that kind of spell the end for Black Magnolia, or is it something that you were able? It to It was hold around on to? that time. It was around. I had a, I had a big falling out with some band members, and they it, in the middle of recording that album, mm -hmm. or I would say before I started recording, after the studio was built, yeah, and before I really started recording that album, I had a falling out with some of the original members, and we split ways. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of did the album with studio musicians. Okay, to be honest, and. It was just it, I did I did all the guitar work. Um, I had a guitarist at the time, but then you know it was just it was you know just me and a and a drummer and a bass player. My bass player stayed on board, so that album was kind of done with studio musicians. But it, it, it's the it was me. It was my album. Yeah, it's the same as the Adam Pierce album I released six years later. Mm -hmm. You know, just or yeah, six years later, just it was just under Black Magnolia. Gotcha. You know. 
that thing was not supposed to come out, Adam. It sounds like for all the yeah for all the things that, like building your own studio and all this other stuff, it just sounds like it's I mean, by I the bet, hardest. I bet every musician out there listening knows knows <laughs> sure. all those struggles and yeah and and headaches of putting out an album and working with other musicians. Yeah, I will. I've always said, and I and I stick with it. The hardest part of being a musician is working with other musicians. Sure, and yeah. I'm not claiming to be a saint myself. I know I could. I've probably been really difficult to work with sometimes yeah so yeah it's tough that's funny they're very or it's i don't know we're big personalities <laughs> yeah well we're you big know, personalities it's it's an expressive art form so yeah. you're gonna deal with people that are uh you know re reclusive or uh, yeah. eccentric or you know all yeah. these different things and it's it's mood driven which is such a curious phenom if you think about it it's driven by mood yeah it's driven by something that is not supposed to make sense um reasonably speaking right yeah. like you can't you can't reason away why we should use this instrument instead of that one or why this guy should play it this way instead. You can't put put a, a fact in there why. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're not trying to... I mean, if you're trying to pander to the crowd, then maybe you those groups of people need to work together and people that do things just based on, on how they feel uh, work, should work together. Like that, That's kind of a separate school, you know? Right. So when it comes down to working together, I can only imagine, you know... The creative process, I'm not, I'm not privy to. I'm not a musician myself. I, yeah. you know, I play a couple of instruments, just messing around. But um, the creative process is is interesting to me because you kind of have to establish a relationship before you even start to create, right? Yeah. You have to, you have to feel out whether or not you get along with that person, and then maybe we could take it further. You know, right? It is a relationship, so I, I respect the art. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey everybody, normally in the middle of podcasts they give you a bunch of advertisements, but on the NewOrleansMusicians.com podcast, I like to shout out our members. Today I want to shine the light on a band by the name of Them Guys. They've been a member on NewOrleansMusicians.com for quite some time, and they finally got around to uploading a song. Once members do that, I can start promoting them with things like this shout out for starters. Them Guys is a new metal, alt metal, hard rock band whose members hail from Vachery, Louisiana. They're inspired by bands like Nonpoint, Godsmack, Seven Dust, Black Sabbath, Alice in Chains, and Led Zeppelin. When asked what single factor played the biggest role in their decision to pursue a career in music, Chet Tabber on drums said, We all have a passion for what we do in music, and it has worked very well for us as a group. We never really set any expectations on it, we just stuck to doing what we do best, and that has shown us that there may actually be real opportunities in this industry for us. A short term, their goal is to see an improvement in the local music scene, and they hope to help make this possible. This band has performed all over the Gulf South, and they just dropped their third studio album titled Delusions. I'm going to play a track for you from that album. You can hear the entire track on their page at NewOrleansMusicians.com, but here's a snip off of their Delusions album titled Cut Off. So hey, check it out, y'all.
And now back to our show. Um, I'm glad to see that you persevered uh, with the Black Magnolia album because it, it sounds like by the hardest. Where did oh, you... I was putting it out. It was like, man, I'm putting it out. You know, yeah. come hell or high water, yeah. it's gonna happen. The adversity did it? Did it fuel you in any any way? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot. There was a lot about that. It was like I'm gonna put out a big part of me was putting that album out out of spite. Okay. Like I'm not gonna. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's what was driving me, but it was a part. Yeah. It was like, I, no, I'm not gonna just like crumble and. Sure. Yeah. So it, it definitely helped. That's funny. Yeah. Um, from there, <clears throat> you ended up having to dismantle this studio. You said, uh, "Is that the only album that you recorded in that studio?" Mm-hmm. Wow, man. Well, I didn't put out another album for six years. Yeah, but I'm saying you built it, and it turns out you built it just oh, actually, to be able to. No, I did record my friend's album. Um, okay. Well, they did like a four song, five song maybe. I think maybe four or five song. I don't remember. Um, my my hometown buddies from Bunky mm-hmm. recorded an album in there. They were called Iridium, and they called it the Fire, the Firethorn Sessions because it was on Firethorn Road. And uh, I did I did that album as well. That was a lot of fun because I didn't have the pressure. Uh-huh. It was just recording my buddies and we were just hanging out in the studio. That was a lot of fun, and it, it, they actually recorded some really cool stuff. I'm really proud of that. Good. So, so it facilitated somebody else's project yeah. too. That's yeah, that cool. was cool. Yeah. But other than that, that was it. Yeah. And you took that studio down because you were moving. That mm-hmm. was like a, a lease that you were uh, on. Because yep. you said you lived there too, right? This was in the back of the. the yeah, it was house. an enclosed garage. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I lived there for maybe two years, two and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, when I was getting married, moving to New Orleans. I got you. Sir. That air, that house that I lived in during the um, was it the twenty. 20- 16 floods uh-huh. what was the bat the big baton rouge floods was that 2016 uh wasn't in baton rouge was, yeah it yeah. well anyway people from louisiana know about it. It, it yeah the huge floods that happened in baton rouge uh-huh. uh that area that house was like underwater oh like really? maybe nine months after no it'd been a few years after that uh-huh. a couple years after i left yeah that house was like that was like one of the deepest spots in all of baton rouge wow so if that would have happened a couple years or like all of my equipment everything would have been ruined you yeah know? Had so much money into that. Wow. So for, for I guess, for a good reason. Yeah. <clears throat> it's actually interesting. So I called it Fire Thorn Studios because I lived on Fire Thorn Road. Okay. And uh, I sold all my stuff to a, another studio. They were called Fire Storm Studios. So <laughs> it's it kind of cool. just felt right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I would have sold it to whoever had the money, but sure. that, that was kind of cool. Yeah. It might have been a sign. You never yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. Man. I think they're still around. Firestorm Studios, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you moved to New Orleans. Uh, whereabouts? Where y'all live in, in New Old Orleans? Old Jefferson. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, this starts the pursuit that we're talking about now where you were uh, Google mapping and cold calling? Or, yeah. Okay. How did you... Okay, so if you had your shit together so much by that time, how did you land uh, House of Blues for this this uh, Black Magnolia release? So Black Magnolia, when I moved to New Orleans, that was like the beginning of my solo acoustic career. Um, but Black Magnolia w- had, was fairly successful. Uh-huh. Um, we, we had been playing for years. We opened for Zebra. We opened for 12 Stones at the Hangar. Like we did a lot of big stuff, played a lot of big festivals. Okay. I played the House of Blues, the main stage, uh, headline the main stage, I think three times. 
Was that prior to this release? Um, the release was this. Yeah, one was prior to the release. Okay, so the they release, were familiar. You had a working relationship with the House of I Blues, did, yeah, and that led to them facilitating or being open to the idea yes. of facilitating this this release. Yeah. And it was a pretty good turnout. And then I played it again later. So Black Magnolia had success. We were we were well known in the New Orleans area. Okay, Southern Louisiana area. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> I didn't nix the band name Black Magnolia and switch to Adam Pierce until after I was on The Voice. Gotcha. Because the entire world saw Adam Pierce. Your name. Not Black Magnolia. Smart move. Yeah. And I didn't really want to do that. I always wanted to be in a rock band. Like rock bands are cooler yeah. than just my name. Yeah. But it just, it just made sense. Because <clears throat> if I got outside of like Southern Louisiana, Mississippi with Black Magnolia, no one knew it. You know, not only that, though, you know what occurred to me immediately when you were saying that? And I don't know if you've ever felt this way before about a situation, but I learned the hard way, and I'm, I still have to remind myself that if I hold other people to my own standards, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. And it would seem to me that if you were... Cause, I mean, it, it sounds like your efforts are unmatched to this point. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, highly commendable, a lot of work that you did. Um, it seems like... It, it it would it would be hard for me to fathom a situation where you were in a band with let's say three other members that had the same work ethic as you. It's not gonna happen. I don't think it would happen. It's not gonna happen. So it seems like to some degree, in order for you to really reap your due, you would have to go solo. Do you it know was, what I mean? Yeah, it was more of a Yeah, that's that's exactly right. The, I mean that's any band. Every band has a leader, every band has somebody that does more than everyone else okay that's yeah, that's yeah. that's ever that's just i mean that's just psychology yeah i mean when when well everyone has their strong points put it that way yeah sometimes this guy's strong point is staying high all day and that sucks for the business but yeah. he put he you know he turns out these creative reps who knows but i, I give you know yeah, you understand right. what i'm saying too, you're right so. i mean when your teacher would break you apart into groups in class there's all it's always like one yeah. person that does like 80 percent of the work sure um there's always a leader that kind of emerges. So yeah, you're right. Also that kind of like, I'm never going to be, Adam Pierce is never going to be stolen from me. You know, like no one can ever like sue me sure, or like copyright the name behind my back. Like it's me, it's my name. It's just, I'm never going to change that. Yeah. It, it, that was also a big part of it too. Yeah. Um, and you're right. You're never going to find three band members that are as passionate about it as you. And that's okay. Yeah. If they were, as passionate about it as you, they probably have their own band. Perhaps, you know. But I, I think it's uh, it's a healthy balance to still be in a band like you're doing. Yeah. But also have your solo career. I think yeah. it kind of nurtures the soul of an artist because sometimes you just need to get away yeah. from whatever it is, and it, it could be a band, you know. And I'm really open with you know with the guys that I'm playing with now that I'm recording this album. It's it's very open. Like, here's what you'll get. If you play, if a song strikes gold and gets big, like they know what they're going to get. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be any fights about money or ownership. It's like, these are the rules. Yeah. And um, that's how every band should start out. But that's no one does that. That's how none of them start out. None of it. I mean, I, mean I, I was young and stupid. It took me a long time to figure out, like have that conversation early. Sure. Don't You don't want to be the next like Credence Clearwater, like, yeah. you know, fighting to your deathbed. So have that conversation early with your guys. Like, 
just do it. Yeah. <laughs> or figure it, get the awkwardness out early. Yeah. Before any kind of money gets involved. It, you got you have to confront the monster that is business. Um, I uh, interviewed a, a label head, and um, one of the most profound things he said to me, which is along the same lines, is that you need to have an exit strategy before you even complete the entrance. Yeah. In other words, you need to, and that involves the discussion with the other parties, sure, yeah. but you need to have an idea of how this entity will dissolve if or when that time should come. Yeah. So that everybody's clear, you know, if it, if it uh, dissolves and they feel like it's for the wrong reasons, it's bad blood maybe for the, your lifetimes, and who wants that shit? Right, you know? right. So that was, that was really smart. Um, I'm trying to stave it off to, to work up until that point, but tell me about how the voice came to be. Is that a call that you received or something that you pursued? Yeah. Or? I was never really trying to be on the voice. That was not something that I like wanted to do. It kind of fell into my lap, to be honest. Whoa. So they reached out to me. <clears throat> I got an email and they were they were like, hey, we um we found you online. I think they just had like a third party scouting agency. It's like, we found you online. We really like your sound. We're going to be in New Orleans this date. We want you to come try out. Did you think it was bullshit? No, I knew it was legit and I don't remember how. You went and verified something. Yeah, so... They had messaged me, like I want to say four or five years prior, or maybe really? three or four years prior, the same thing, and I went and I did it, uh -huh. and I, it didn't go anywhere. Okay. So it, it, I knew it was legit, because it was like the same email. Okay. So, <clears throat> like eight minutes from my house, I, did, I, I got to skip the first round, so I didn't have to do the, like 30,000 people in an arena. Yeah. Saying, I didn't do that, and I wouldn't have done that. Like, I, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have. <laughs> you had enough way. of that the first time, huh? Well, no, I didn't, I, I didn't, I never had to do that. So oh, I thought they were letting you skip because you had been through the process already. Nope, no, I got to skip the first round the first time they emailed me too. Well, I guess that Just might be a, a testament they, to the quality of your music, I guess. Huh? Yeah, I guess. I mean, they find people that they think are, are legit and uh -huh. they escalate them up. There's right. still a lot of people in the running at that point. Sure. So anyway, they reached out to me. Hey, we want you to come try out. I'm like. I mean, people are like driving across the country to go to these auditions. It's eight minutes from my house. Yeah. Let's go do it. Yeah. I went in there. I sang. Um, we're in a room. It's, it's still probably, there's still hundreds of people at that point. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not like it was, you were, you didn't have it in the bag. Uh -huh. There's still a lot of people to go. I go in there. Does it, does it look like what I'm envisioning? It's like, you know, three guys or three people sitting behind it. Uh, a desk and your yeah it was really it was really just one woman actually who was okay, making the one call one person yeah a camera <clears throat> okay. super awkward super weird right I waited a few hours you know big lines of people um, we're in a room like the like the waiting room uh, before you go in an audition so we can hear everybody ahead okay. of us auditioning they get we hear everybody ahead of us they get about ten seconds of singing yeah and they go thank you for coming bye. And they're just like cutting people, just like so. Like everybody in the waiting room is just hearing everybody just get axed. Is that's a that's a somebody getting cut? Yeah. Okay. So we're in the waiting room listening <clears throat> to the people perform ahead of us, and they all just get like five, ten seconds. Thank you for coming by. Like they know immediately if they're gonna if they're not gonna make it. Yeah. So that's a little nerve wracking because you just sure. you're just hearing everybody get butchered, <laughs> cattle to right. the slaughter. Yeah, yeah man. Like, all right. <laughs> I go in there. I play 
um, I had my acoustic guitar. I didn't have a strap. I go in there and there's no stool. I'm like, oh, hell. I'm, like, I'm going to get kicked out of here before they... I see a stool like in the corner. I just like run and grab it. I'm like, I'm grabbing this real quick. I'm like, they're going to kick me out before I even start. Like, <laughs> you're not prepared. Get out of there. <laughs> right. Like, whatever. I grab it. I sit down. I play Whole Lot of Love. I just belt out Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Nice. I got through like two or three minutes of the song. I'm like, they're still listening. This is a good sign. Yeah, you thinking while you're doing yeah. this, Yeah, huh? I'm like, they're listening. They're like, all right. Yeah. They're like, you're a little like, you're a little intense. Can you bring it down? Uh, put the guitar down and like sing towards the camera. So like, do you have like a little square that you have to like perform in and then like perform towards like, like just a camera? Okay. It's super awkward. It's super weird. Yeah. So much of the process is awkward and weird. Zero vibe in that room. Yeah, zero. <laughs> it, it makes you... It, make, it makes you grow a lot as a performer, just yeah. like pushing you out of your comfort zone. Sure. I honestly don't remember what else I sang. I think I did Say Hello to Heaven uh -huh. by uh, Temple of the Dog, mm -hmm. just because it's got crazy high notes. And Cornell's like my biggest influence. I grew up singing that. Sure. I think I did that one, and I, I, I did a third one, and I don't, I can't remember to this day. Wow. But I knew that they were asking me to sing a third song. Like, this is a good sign. Because I just heard everybody ahead of me get Nick's 10 seconds to do their first song. Did you have a plan going in? Did you? Because you were kind of familiar with the, the expectation of the format, huh? I yeah. Mean, you knew I, you had to go in and sing. So did you have like yeah. five songs in your back pocket? Uh, well, I think they said had like have like three ready, Okay. one without a guitar. Okay. So like I think I had like a karaoke version or something of an MP3. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I don't fully remember, but I knew somewhat what to expect. Mm -hmm. the, the, I will say the thing that I did not listen to them on, they told me to not sing anything that came out before you were born. Interesting. Which is almost all of what I do. Like I'm a classic rock guy. Why do you think that is? That's a, that's an odd request. It is odd. I guess, I don't know. Like they want like top 40 current. So the first year, the few years prior, yeah. when I went and, I ne and nothing happened, I never heard from them, I listened to that. I avoided all like classic rock and stuff that I'm like really good at. I avoid. I listen to the rules, and I and I play by the rules and never heard anything. This that this time I didn't. I'm like I don't care. I'm going in. I'm singing Zeppelin. Yeah. And I'm singing. I, maybe I did like Allman Brothers song or something. I didn't even think about that right now. You're playing stuff, so you're doing what they said not to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was like, screw it. I mean, that's I didn't. It didn't work out for me last time. Yeah. So. Uh, that was the one thing that I that I didn't listen to them on. Um, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying, like play stuff I'm passionate about. Sure. Like if they want to see my genuine passion, they're going to get Led Zeppelin and Allman Brothers. So. <clears throat> so I played those songs and they're like, all right, we're going to take you back and we're going to interview you for a little bit. I'm like, all right, this is another good sign. They go and they interview me for probably 30 minutes. I fill out this much paperwork, background checks, make sure I'm not a serial killer, whatever. Um, they're like, all right, you'll, we'll let you know in a month or so if we wanna, if you're going to fly to L.A. So sure enough, they call me. They're like, congratulations, you made it to an executive audition. They fly me to L.A. for like three days. There's probably 200 people left at this point. You have to perform for like the That's big producer. That's not a whole lot. No. Because how many locations are they doing what you just went through prior? Yeah. I mean, this would, yeah. They, they whittled it down a lot. Yeah. Down to 200 people at this. They're going to cut it in half at this executive audition. Gotcha. So you go and you perform to like the executive producers, mm -hmm. no coaches or celebrities. Um, they give you a song. I want to say they gave me, um, Hush 
by Deep Purple. Okay. Yeah, Hush by Deep Purple, which I'm a huge Deep Purple fan. Yeah. So I went in there and I did it. I want to say I did one other song of my choosing. Don't remember. So they were all in the lobby of this big hotel in Hollywood. They called, they separated everybody into two rooms. Mm-hmm. 200 people, 200 enormous personalities in a lobby of a hotel. Everybody's singing and dancing and stuff. It's annoying me. <laughs> the Motley Crew. Yeah, I was just like looking at everyone. I'm like, y'all need to chill out. Like, yeah. come on. Um, <laughs> a bunch of big, big divas everywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> Myself included. Um, they separated us in the two rooms. I noticed the room that I was going in had tables and the room the other people were going in didn't have tables. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's probably a good sign. They're going to want us to sign stuff. Sure enough, that's what it was. So the room. You're thinking cap on that day, son, because that wouldn't occur to me at all. I'd have been like, why? Yeah. Puzzled me to this day. Okay. So, about 100 people in that room, they're like, congratulations, you made it to a blind audition. Yeah. Still 100 people, only 48 are going to make a team. So, if the team fills up before you go, you're out of luck. Yes or no? Yeah. What? So... You want to get early an early spot. Okay. So just because you're in that room, they say you made a blind audition, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a blind audition still. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, I don't know if you watch the show or if you remember. I did get a blind audition, and I didn't get a chair turn. That was season 12 of The Voice. Okay. Uh, did not get a chair turn. What is uh, a chair turn? So when you perform for them, they have their backs. I don't know if you're familiar with the show. Okay. Yeah, they have yeah, their backs yeah. to them, and if they, they don't know what you look like. Right. And they press a button if they like you and they turn around. Chair turn. A chair turn. Okay, I'm thinking a turn is in a chance, a turn. No, no you physically get... turning around. I gotcha. Okay. Um, and then you get to pick, you get to be on their team. If two people turn, you get to pick which team you want to be on. Gotcha. Uh, that year was Adam Levine, Gwen Stefani, Alicia Keys, and Blake Shelton. Okay. Didn't get a chair turn. I was so pissed off. Yeah. I was so pissed. Like, a lot of people like cry and run off the stage. I was just like fuming. Yeah. I was fuming. Like they were talking to me. And this was me. the Deep Purple no, performance? The deep you don't pur- remember this. You don't remember what this song was. I, I do remember. Uh, sorry, I'm not being clear. Deep Purple, Hush by Deep Purple is what I used in the executive audition. Okay. For the producers. Okay. To get on the show. My actual blind audition was uh, A Wider Shade of Pale. Okay. By Pro Call Harem. Okay. Which I, I don't like that song. Uh, they picked that for me. Um, that seems a hell of a lot more reserved than what you chose when you had your own choices. It's depressing. The song is depressing. I don't like it. Whatever. I was like, I'm going to make the best out of it. I'm not going to like rock the boat. Anyway, I was super pissed off. Like if you go back and if you can find that, you can see it in my face. Like <laughs> okay. I'm just like, like they were like talking to me, giving advice. And I just remember thinking, y'all can all shut the hell up. Like I'm ready to just walk off the stage. Yeah. Like Gwen Stefani's talking to me, like being all supportive. And I just wanted to be like, shut up. Yeah. Like I was so angry. Just like seeing red. Now, let me ask you, because I think of this all the time. My wife likes uh, Judge Judy, right? Watch Judge Judy. She's a bitch. Mm-hmm. She's giving it the rundown to these people with so much attitude. Mm-hmm. It would occur to me if I was on that show, this is it. Yeah. This is it. I'm walking out of here. We'll never see each other again. If yeah. I want five minutes of my peace of mind on, on TV or, yeah. you know, to, to, to give to her, this is it. Yeah. Spout off. You know, this is it. Yeah. What stopped you from just saying, 
what the hell are you giving me a wider shade of pale for? Like, is well, there anything? What stopped me? What's well? What stopped me from saying from raising any from from fussing about it early was because I didn't want to rock the boat. It was like I want to be a team. I want to be. I want to play the game. I don't want to like. Because, like, I think if you're, like, a difficult person, they'll, like, they'll boot you. They'll find a reason to send you home. What was what was to be after this, given that they didn't give you a chair turn? So... There's something more, or is that the end no, of the road? No, that, that, that's it. You go home. Gotcha. Um, I mean, what didn't stop me from being, like, y'all can kiss my ass. It was because <laughs> 17 million people are watching. It was like, sure, keep I mean, it together, Maybe Adam. not say, keep, you know, kiss my ass, but yeah. at least point out that, you know... Can well, you, I mean, you're not, you're not supposed to, I don't think the, you're, the people aren't supposed to know that, um, that they picked the song for you, which I'm, you know. Well, the cat's out the bag now. Yeah, I'm, I, I, might get, I might get sued by NBC. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't really care. <clears throat> anyway, the show treated us great. I'm not bashing the show. The tr- show really did treat us Sure, great. yeah, I just yeah. hated I that just song. Kidding, dude. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I really did hate that song. Anyway. I walk off the stage, and well, Adam Levine says something like, "Man, you should try. You should come back again next year. Like, work on some stuff. Come back again next year." So I'm like, "Yeah, all right, whatever." I didn't say that, but in my head, that's what I'm thinking. I just walk off the stage. Carson Daly's all over me, asking me questions. I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Sure. He's like, "You're gonna come back next year. You come back again if they invite you back." And I'm just like, "Yeah, I guess." Anyway, long story short, I do get invited back for the next season, which is incredibly rare. Hmm. Not many people get invited back okay. for a second season that yeah. don't get a chair turn. Yeah. And I will tell you, of that entire season, three people got invited back. Uh, and I'm the only one of those three people that made it for wow. season 13. Nice. Season 13, they gave me hot-blooded by Foreigner. And I was like... Much better, dude. That's my energy. Yeah. yeah. And it just... Yeah, it was awesome. It felt great. Yeah, I guess... And it was like such... Man, just the... It was like... It was my comeback story. Sure. You know, it was like I had to, I had to, it was probably six, seven months later, just thinking about, man, if I get to go back, like you get like, whatever, like 45 seconds to like make a comeback. Sure. It was crazy nerve wracking, man. It was a crazy experience. I'm sure it was. Let me ask though, I mean, and I'm sure you've considered this, had it been hot blooded instead of uh, a lighter shade of, a whiter shade of pale, do you think that things would have gone differently? Because I really feel like... <clears throat> It was more so the material I than... I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was a little... I was a little more confident the next time. I don't know. That's a good question. I yeah. thought about that. Um, sometimes I wonder if they purposely made me a comeback story for television. Mm-hmm. I know they would never admit that, and this, there's no way for me to ever prove it. Wouldn't put I it have, beyond them. No, yeah. I mean, it's TV. I get it. You need sure. ratings. I didn't really give them any, like, good sob stories, you know, to, like, as, like, a background. Yeah. I didn't cry on camera for them. Like, it's, I didn't have any of that. It's 95% of the contestants cry on camera. It's like, my dad really? didn't hug me enough or something. It's like, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing yeah, any of that. Yeah, yeah. I told him that from the beginning. I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Like, I'm not. My parents hugged me plenty when I was a kid. Like I'm not <laughs> right. gonna, I'm yeah. not gonna cry on camera for you. And they're yeah. like, no, that's fine. You don't have to. So the conspiracy theorist in my head is thinking, 
did they make me a comeback story purposely? Yeah, yeah, if so, I'm not mad about it because it ended up being really cool. Dude, don't sit with me to quell that that line of questioning because I'll encourage you. <laughs> right. I mean, I won't just egg you on. I'll be like, have you ever yeah. thought about this? Right, right. Like, it just right. keeps going and going. So that's cool. So you go back and you have a, a better go of it. What is the ultimate, I, I guess, the ultimate uh, result? Well, um, to advance all the way to the end and win the show. And what does that entail? Because um, I'm not... I don't remember the cash prize, but you get like, well, you get a ridiculous amount of publicity. Sure. Like a, 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 yeah, a ton of publicity. And you get like a record deal with okay. Universal. Okay. Um, I made it four rounds into the show. Uh-huh. I was top 20. I got a ton of publicity. All of my performances are at the end of the episode, uh-huh. and they like built them up, like they showed little like clips, and I never got montaged. So some people that made it further than me in the show got less airtime than me because they get their performances got montaged. Interesting. Point. So yeah, I got out. I got out right before the live started, and I'm okay with that too because a lot of times people can be branded as a voice contestant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also me just trying to see the silver lining. You got uh, to, yeah. regardless. So I could, it's you know, an incredible opportunity. I, I'm, and not, I think, I'm not at all know. upset about not going further in the show or not winning. Like, zero. Yeah. Like, I had a great time. I got a ton of airtime. Never mind the fact that I was on two seasons. Yeah. And I got that, you know. So I really got, like, five solid full-length performances on international television. Yeah. So I'm not upset about it at all. Sure. It was great. It was a great experience. The people were super kind. It was super awesome. Um, I will say, funny story. I, I did sneak whiskey backstage for uh, my second performance. Uh, they tell us like, don't, don't sure. drink alcohol. I'm like, I've already been here and I've already not got a chair turn. I'm sneaking whiskey back there. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, I drank like so little, like enough to like just cut the edge off. Sure. Not even like a buzz. And uh, after my last performance, uh, we're backstage and the producers are like hugging everybody and telling us bye. And stuff, and I was like, I just want to let y'all know I've been drinking whiskey back here. What are y'all gonna do? Kick me off the show? Yeah, <laughs> they, like they thought that was funny. <laughs> it's like it's too late. Yeah. And then you got to go get like psyche valve, like after you get kicked off the show. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I mean, they're it, that's important, you know, for some teenager who thinks his life is over because he got yeah, off. I guess it's so. important. It, yeah. For me, it was like. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm pissed off, but I'm fine. Yeah. Like, All right, you're good. Get out of here. Yeah. But you go and you talk to a psychiatrist after. That's interesting. I had never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, once you point it out, you're like, I can see why they do that. That's that's important. Yeah. Because so some people you go think their life there, is man? over. You, you, uh, <clears throat> you feel like that is a, a, another possibility? Or is that it? Is that show over with? I wouldn't even know. That show is over with. You don't get to go back. You don't get to go back if you make a team. Yeah, okay. Some of like the winners, like the top one or two, may go back and do like a performance every once in a while. Mm -hmm. But I never made it into that bracket. So, Gosh. yeah, I'll probably never be back on that show. However, America's Got Talent has shown some interest in me in the past. Okay. And that might happen in the near future. Yeah, that'd same, be cool. Same network, so. Once you're a friend, I guess, you know, they know you play, play well with others yeah, and well, they call you back. Yeah, you know? yeah, I've gotten offers from a few shows just because I'm in those people's, I'm on their radar. So I was supposed to be on, um, there was a show called I Can See Your Voice. Uh -huh. And it was like, um, what's the, uh, 
telling you right now, I'm not going to be any help. What's the, yeah, what's the, Chinese, what's the Chinese actor who's in The Hangover? For, he's from New Orleans. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's like yeah. his show. I can't think of his name. Yeah. Comedian, like funny dude. Comedian and doctor, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. a doctor at yeah. Tulane. Yeah, from Tulane. Uh, it was his show. It was, I was supposed to go on that show. It was kind of like a mass singer type of show. Yeah, I've seen that something was, about that. I was supposed to do that, and then COVID hit, and that nixed that. Gotcha. Uh, not that long ago, I was asked to go uh, to Ireland and be on Don't Forget the Lyrics. Uh-huh. You know that show? No. It's like you sing along. Okay. That, that's CBS? ABC? ABC. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, you sing along, and then they, like, stop the song, and you have to remember. Gotcha. Um but all those things come from producers that work on all those shows. Yeah, call you're me up. in some sort of pool now. Yeah, I'm yeah. on the radar. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> America's Got Talent showed some interest in me about a year ago, and then I never heard from them again. But you never know. Sure. That might pop up. But yeah, as far as The Voice, no. And, and the, the coolest thing that happened from The Voice was, was after The Voice, Adam Levine reached out to me and he wanted me to sing for their Halloween party. Uh-huh. And uh, I got to go and... Um, I got to get drunk with Sammy Hagar and awesome. sing with Sammy Hagar. And play so with. that's the picture behind me on the wall that I was. Yeah, looking there's at. a picture of me and Sammy Hagar. Gotcha. Up there, and uh, it, that was really cool. That was a lot of fun. I bet that was that was an intense. I, me and my wife were like running, like the, we're in the party bus. We pull up to this. Um, it was like George. What's George Clooney's tequila? George Clooney has a tequila? Yeah. Did not Casamigos? Know. Don't know. Whatever. His party. We played there. Sammy we played Hagar's a few shows. Sammy tequila, too. Yeah, that's Jose. Cabo Wabo. Cabo Wabo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's like, I'm with my wife, and we're in this party bus, and we pull up to, like, this, like, L.A., um, just typical, just people everywhere, and, like, paparazzi. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, leading us through the crowd. <laughs> it's, like, celebrities everywhere, and there's, like, me and my wife from freaking bunky yeah just running i remember running through the crowd like paparazzi taking pictures with us and like david spade right there like running to david spade i'm like oh hey man huge fan gotta go it's just like crazy <laughs> he's like oh thank you it's, it's just like wild man it just ha- happened so fast like, yeah. we're doing that we played this show we were all dressed up we had like skull faces on and like dresses it was like we were dressed up in women's clothes mm-hmm. but like skeleton women it was just weird thing it was adam levine's idea uh, but anyway, I remember at one point he's like, this is so cool. We're playing this show and no one even knows who we are. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a problem for me, man. Yeah, right? It's, like, it's <laughs> maybe for it's you. It's not a major relief. It's not a relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't need this skeleton makeup to hide who I am from these people. But yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling at this point. But. No, you know what, though? I mean, it, it puts people there and I appreciate you for that. Um, it made me think about... Um, Something I'd seen not too long ago, I've seen it more than once, and it came around a second time. It was about the Viper Room in L.A. And why that was so special to uber-famous people was because it was pretty much only uber-famous people. It was a place that they could go to where they didn't have to deal with all of the things that you just mentioned. Because it's so prolific, especially out there, because that's Tinseltown, right? And, Mm. you know... I can't imagine. So I'm sure it was surreal for you. Yeah, it was crazy. Because in your mind, you're like, I don't have to worry about that. But God damn it, you'd think I'm a liar right now because looking around, it's, yeah. it's a circus and you're part of it, you know. That's, yep. that's fun. I think it's healthy also to be a part of that and be able to step away from it. Oh, and yeah, not have for to sure. exist solely in that realm because I'm sure that can take apart a that lot of people. That can be destructive. Yeah. I can see how destructive that life could be. Yeah. 
Do you feel like uh, any of that will help pay forward your efforts in a solo career? Um, And I mean, obviously it does help because we spoke of airtime and things of that nature, but realistically, do you think that that they're kind of two worlds that uh, exist unto themselves, you and your solo career and Hollywood's efforts for their own shows? I mean, it's all fine and good. Do you think it translates into something for Adam Pearce, the solo project? Um, I think I understand your question. Like, do you think that that world will ever really help me? Is that kind of what you're asking? I think, well, I'm asking, what does it do? What is it, what is the end result of having been there or occasionally visiting there? What is the, what is, what does it pay forward to, um, what kind of rewards does Adam Pierce, the solo project reap from those experiences? I look at all those things, honestly, it, it just in the simplest terms, I look at them as a giant ad for my brand. Okay. I don't think that anyone from Hollywood or any famous person is going to like take me under their wing and be like, let's make you famous. We're going to be big. You're a part of this world now. I don't, it's so ruthless. It's so dog eat dog out there. (laughs) It's so ruthless. And it's, I mean, it's, it's more ruthless than I can probably even comprehend because I've only been involved with it a little bit. Sure. So I don't think like anything that direct, like help will come from it, mm-hmm. but just anytime I'm involved in something like that and it's on social media or it's on TV, yeah. it's just a big ad. I yeah. look at it as a big ad for my brand and for my career. Sure. It's publicity and I try to capitalize off of it. As soon as I was off of The Voice, I launched a Kickstarter to raise money for my album. Smart. Because I had all this like momentum Yeah. and I raised like $23,000. Beautiful. And, and I put out an album. That's what I that that was my biggest thing that I used from the voice because mm-hmm. I knew uh, after you know two three months after that's over it's it's old news yeah like it's yeah. it's Hollywood like you're old it's old news people are over it they're on to the new things definitely if you get three months that's being yeah that's, that's being generous yeah that's being generous yeah um, that was a smart move so though. yeah I was like I'm gonna capitalize I'm gonna put an album out while people are pumped about it yeah and and I did and it came out great and I'm happy about that I think that. Um, it's commendable and healthy for you to um, view it as you do instead of hanging on every word from every person you met or like yeah. some other people might take things differently and see it as the start of something big when yeah. you have a more realistic approach and more realistic perspective on it. I think that that's yeah. for the best, you know, because <clears throat> I, probably nine times out of 10, that's what it is anyway. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's what it ends up being. Um, that's kind of an interesting question. Maybe it's out of left field. But since you're in the tech world, you're interested in the tech world. What do you think about the world of NFTs and what they have to contribute to music, musicians? Well, I will say I was in the tech world. Okay. I've been is, is NFT something that you're not at all familiar with? I okay. know what it is, basically. Bad question. Bad question. It's kind of like a shot. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I mean, I've been out of the tech world for 10 years now. Okay. I'm still somewhat of a techie person, but no, I don't really know much about crypto or NFTs. Okay. Never really got into that. Gotcha. All right. I'll find the guy one day. Yeah. That will be it's not me. Give not me, me some advice on that because it's so puzzling. Yeah. Um, tell everybody where they can find you physically these days, your music. Um. AdamPierceMusic.com is a great landing page for everything I do. Okay. Um, my solo gigs are what I do most of the time. Um, I play in a Led Zeppelin tribute band for fun. We play f- four to six times a year, not that often. It's called Mothership. Okay. Also will be Mothership. on AdamPierceMusic.com. 
my original music that I'm putting out pretty regularly now. I try to put out one every couple of months. Mm-hmm. com. You know, um, the most active social media that I have is my YouTube channel. Okay. That's youtube.com slash adambeersmusic. Okay. Also links from adambeersmusic.com. Easy to find. Good. I post, excuse me, I post every week. I've been posting every week for, excuse me, um, about uh, over three years. All right. I've only missed a few weeks. Commitment, sir. Yes. Uh, it is up to 23,000 subscribers or it will be shortly. Okay. And uh, that's the one I'm most serious about. And I release my original music on that as well. All right. That's, I'm sure that, that's it, you know. Anything um, that we can expect under the Black Magnolia name ever again? Or was that a one and done? If I do, it would be something kind of for fun on the side. Okay. I've thought about doing Black Magnolia shows mm-hmm. and getting together like the old, mm-hmm. the old, like the last rendition of Black Magnolia that existed. Okay. I've thought about putting that together and playing some shows. It would be, it would be for fun. And it would probably be something that I did if Adam, if me as Adam Pierce had already like made it big. Sure. Like, all right, I've got time and money and I want to experiment with some side projects. So I'll bring back Black Magnolia. All right. So that's the underlying message. We see a second Black Magnolia (laughs) album. We know Adam Pierce must have blown up. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Hey, this is Levi from Mistlay and Southern Brutality in 1016. Look, man, we all start off as jam bands. We get together, we push our souls all throughout the speakers, man. Simple as that. The connections that we form with our crowds and followers are nothing like any other. And we'd love to have you back. Click that on button, show your support, or you can check us out at Buy Me a Coffee. Black, 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 that's buy me a coffee backslash New Orleans Music. I said buy me a coffee backslash New Orleans Music. I have spoken. Yeah, 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 yeah.